Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you. But go rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. Many were blessed by his Bible teaching, and today we invite you to share in those blessings by listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Chapter 25 of Matthew, verses 1 through 13, begins the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, and five were foolish. They were waiting for the bridegroom to come so as to accompany him to the marriage of his bride. There was a period of sleeping, followed by a shout of awakening. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 4 and 5, it says, So let us not sleep as the others do, but let us keep awake and sober. Romans chapter 13, verse 11, The hour has come to awaken out of sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. Dr. Mitchell asks, what is our attitude to be concerning the coming of our Lord? Is it one of daily expectation? While helping us to grow in the expectation of the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast, here's Dr. Mitchell, Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13. Thank you. Again, we come with our studies in the book of Matthew, and today we are in starting chapter 25. May I remind you that in chapters 24 and 25, we have the predictions of the king. And having predicted his coming and the things that precede his coming to the earth to reign, he follows it along with three parables. And each one has to do with their relationship to the Lord himself. The first parable we had at the end of chapter 24, uh, with respect to the wise servant and the foolish servant, or the evil servant, uh, the question there was faithfulness manifested in the job they were supposed to do, and one did it and one did not do it, and their attitude to their Lord comes out 
in their lives, in their relationship, the one to the other. In fact, in all these three parables, it has to do with our relationship, first of all, to others in view of his soon coming, the certainty of his coming, though the time is uncertain. And then in the parable of the virgins, our attitude to the Lord personally in view of his coming. And then our attitude to the world in view of his coming. So we had the first one in our last lesson concerning uh, the wise servant and the evil servant. Now when we come to chapter 25, we have the parable of the virgins, the ten virgins. And I know that when I read this passage, I remember some things I've heard others say about it. And yet as we get down into it, remember again what I said concerning parables. Do not try to make the parables, shall I say, hit on all six or on all fours. There is one thing involved in a parable. Find out what that one thing is. And then if you want to go into detail, well and good, but don't read into it with that which was never the intention of the Spirit of God. Let me read this parable of the ten virgins. Matthew 25. And remember what he's after. What is to be my attitude to the Savior in view of his soon coming? Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose, trimmed their lamps, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and for you. But go rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterwards came the other virgin, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Now, first of all, may I remind you, this is an Eastern scene uh, where the girls go out to meet the bridegroom to bring him to the house where the bride is, and they go in and have the marriage feast. Now, I read here their attitude to the bridegroom. First of all, their character. In verse 1, you notice there were the kingdom of heaven is like unto ten virgins who took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. Five were wise, five were foolish. Now they were virgins. That speaks of separation. And their business was to meet the bridegroom with their lamps. Manifestation of their business, they were carrying the lamps. And they were in expectation they went forth to meet the bridegroom. Now, 
This is true, of course, in the character of whether it be Israel or the Christian today. There's a certain principle here, it's true. We ought to live in separation unto God. We've got a job to lighten the minds and hearts of men, lamps. The business of a lamp is to dispel darkness. And in Philippians chapter 2, verses 15 to 16, if I may say a word for those of us today who are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, the Apostle Paul says that we are, we are to shine forth as lights, holding forth the word of light. In fact, if you want the whole verse, it says we are the sons of God in the midst of a wicked and perverse generation among whom we shine as lights, holding forth the word of life. And their expectation was the bridegroom's coming. As I said a moment ago, this ought to be the character, whether it be Israel, just prior to the coming of the Lord, for he's talking here about the kingdom of heaven, the rule of the heavens on the earth. And the other one could be with the believer today. Now then, their failure in verses 2 to 5, they all failed. Notice it. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. And while the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. Here is their failure. First of all, there was the loss of separation. The wise were mixed up with the foolish. Secondly, they had lost their, their testimony. Their lamps were going out. And then they, they lost that fervency of expectation for the coming of the Lord. They fell asleep. You know, our Lord, our Lord spoke of this, that when the Lord comes, he, not, he should not find them sleeping, but be on the alert. In Romans chapter 13, verse 11, you remember Paul says, it is knowing the time, it is high time to awake out of sleep because our salvation is nearer than when we believed. He goes on to say, it's high time to throw off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Uh, don't be occupied in chambering and wantonness, in looseness of living, uh, in envy and strife, in reveling in drunkenness. You take that verse, you've got outbroken sin, reveling in drunkenness. You've got the secret sins, chambering and wantonness. And you've got sins of the heart, envy and jealousy. And in view of the coming of the Lord, may we not be found asleep. What do you mean? Do not be found with your heart cold toward the Savior. You have lost your expectation of seeing him. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And I want to tell you, my friend, there seems to be in a great many quarters among God's people, a lethargy, uh, so many are asleep. As one man said, Mitchell, what's the difference whether he comes or whether he doesn't come? My friend, there's a lot of difference. This man revealed the fact that he was not living in expectation of the coming of the Lord. I want to say this today, that there is a movement among young people especially, and I just trust that they will be 
led him to a place not only of salvation, but of living in the expectation of seeing him, our Savior, who died and rose again, who's at the right hand of God, exalted to be a prince and a savior. They all slumbered and slept. Caught in the, in the conditions around them. Are you, my friend? You say, well, I'm a child of God. I'm trusting the Savior. Yes, but are you asleep? I'm not talking about physical sleep. You know, one of the most tragic things today is the indifference of God's people. And they're satisfied to be indifferent, which means that they're asleep. When the Lord comes, he's going to find them not watching. Will he find you watching? Will he find me watching? I sincerely hope that our affection for the Savior must be so real and so wonderful that we can't help but wait and live every day in anticipation of him. You know, I went to bed the other night and I, I, I couldn't help but say to the Lord, Lord, are you going to blow the trumpet tonight? The coming of the Lord. When you wake in the morning to live, this may be the day when he shall come. Today may be the day when the Lord shall come. Anticipation. They lost that. And he was warning about it. I noticed the third thing about it. The awakening, verse 6 and 7. At midnight there was a cry made. Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go out to meet him. And all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. But the foolish said to the wise, Give us of, our, of your oil. We need oil. But the wise said, Not so. If we give you of the oil, you there won't be enough for us and for you. But you go rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. The certainty of his coming calls for a constant watching, for a constant expectation. And when we do that, then we're going to live in anticipation. Our lives are going to be transformed. We're going to do the things that will please him. We want him to find us faithful. We want to find us watching. For I read here that uh, the wise awoke, and they trimmed their lamps, and they had oil. But the foolish, who looked just like the wise outwardly, had no oil. Now, I know what some of you are going to say to me. Well, Mr. Mitchell, that speaks of the Holy Spirit. That there are those who are professing Christians who don't have the Spirit. Now, let me just suggest this to you. Every real believer in Christ is indwelt by the Spirit of God. Otherwise, they would not be a child of God because the moment one accepts Jesus Christ as Savior, they're born of the Spirit and they're sealed by the Spirit until the day of redemption. And they are indwelt by the Spirit to be the tabernacle, or shall I say, the vessel of the Spirit of God for the re revelation of the character of God to men. As Paul could say to the carnal believers at Corinth, they were real believers, but they were babes. They act like babies. They weren't, they weren't mature. But yet he said to those carnal believers at Corinth, don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? You can't go and buy the Holy Spirit. You can't impart the Holy Spirit to others. This is an act of God. 
And when a person really accepts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, then, my friend, that moment they are indwelt by the Spirit of God. It's true that all believers are not filled with the Spirit, controlled by the Spirit of God. This is why you have the exhortation of Paul in Ephesians 5 when he said, don't be controlled by, uh, by wine, or as the King James Version says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, continually being filled. It's a daily, it's a daily thing a continual filling of the Spirit of God, which is dependent upon our personal fellowship with the Lord himself. But you can't go and buy the Spirit, and you can't give the Spirit to somebody else. He's using here a very simple illustration of the fact that there were five who were genuine and five who were not. For all believers have the Spirit of God, every Christian. Those who are not Christians do not have the Spirit of God. And I read here in verse 10, And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Here you have the, the restoration of separation, of manifestation, and of expectation. But what about these? were foolish. They had no oil. They were ignorant, and they were shut out. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Therefore let everyone who nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. In Matthew chapter 7, I quoted this the other day, and I record it. Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, which I think would be apropos here where Jesus said in verse 12, when they said, Lord, Lord, open to us, he said, I don't know you. I don't know you. Now, you see, these could not be real believers, the Lord, because the Lord knoweth them that are his. But in Matthew chapter 7, 21 to 23, what do I read? Many shall say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, We've preached in your name. We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out demons in your name. We've done wonderful works in your name. And he will say to them, Depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. Is it possible that a person can even manifest some things that are supernatural in the name of Jesus and not belong to him? That's true. I'm not saying that. Jesus said that. He ought to know those who are trusting him and those who are not trusting him. My friend, signs of supernatural, doing supernatural things in the name of Christ doesn't mean you belong to the Lord. I know there are groups in America who claim to be Christian and possibly do. There are supernatural things that happen. That doesn't mean they belong to the Savior. You know, Satan is very, very good at imitating when you come to the book of Revelation, you'll find where the, where the beast, that terrible creature in, in Revelation 13, he performed miracles. What for? To deceive the people of God. In fact, our Lord in 24 here said, Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and certain things, and they'll even perform miracles. What for? Verse 24, 
They shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they would deceive the very elect. Jesus here said, I, I don't even know you. Oh, I tell you, my friend, I'm glad for that verse. The foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Therefore, let everyone who nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. We manifest our, the reality of our faith in him, our love for him, by obedience to his word, by loving the brethren. These are the outward manifestations of a real believer. There are men who call themselves Christians. But Jesus Christ is going to say to them, I don't even know you. They looked like virgins. They had lamps. But there was no expectation. They had no oil. They didn't have that which was needful and necessary. Oh, friend, may I say to you, and I want to comfort your heart that if you really are trusting the Savior, you're not only redeemed, but your very body has become the sanctuary of God. And when the trumpet sounds, the voice of the archangel, the dead in Christ are going to be raised. Those of us who love the Savior are going to be caught up to meet the Lord in the air, to be forever with the Lord. My, what a comfort. What a peace it brings to your heart. If the Lord Jesus should come today, my friend, we go up on the ground of the grace of God, on the ground of his faithfulness to us, and we manifest our love for him by being faithful to him. And remember, he never rewards greatness but faithfulness, which we will see in the next, the third parable, which has to do with our relationship to the world in view of his coming. Now may the Lord grant to you the joy of living in expectation today. The word comes out, the, big, the bridegroom cometh. Go ye out to meet him. Will you be ready? Are you trusting Jesus Christ as your own Savior? My friend, he may come today. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That is, for those of us who love the Savior, it will not be wonderful for those who have rejected him. God grant that he today, Jesus Christ, is the object of your affection and of your devotion. The Lord bless you. In my darkness, Jesus found me, touched my eyes and made me see. Since chains that long had bound me Brought me life and liberty Oh, glorious love of Christ my Lord divine That made him stoop to save a soul like mine Through all my days and then in heaven Son, what wonder he became.
trust that your hearts have been blessed and encouraged through the study of God's Word. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word radio broadcast.